Welcome to The Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now, here's a message from Pastor Dan Roth. Amen. Today, as you're having a seat, get your Bibles and go with me to Acts chapter number 16. This is the story of us. You know, the Bible tells us that all the stories contained in the scriptures are for our learning. That we can learn how we ought to live today, here and now, in 2021. This is not just a history lesson. This is our life lesson. In Acts chapter number 16, you remember Paul and Barnabas, the dynamic duo, split up, and now there's two ministry teams going out, and Barnabas takes John Mark, and Paul takes Silas, and they go with letters from Jerusalem about the way that the churches should conduct themselves, that the Gentiles do not need to be circumcised, that they don't need the burden of the law on them. And so Paul goes out to encourage the church and to strengthen the church. Acts chapter 16, starting in verse number 1, says that he came to Derby and Lystra. You remember Derby and Lystra, don't you? These are the places where there was riots. People were breaking out. People were persecuting Paul. They're following him from one place to the next. In Lystra, they start to cry out in their own language that the gods are among us. They want to go sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas. And eventually that stirs up the Jews even more, and they stone him to death. They try and kill him. They drag him out of the city, presuming him to be dead, and yet he's not. The disciples gather around him, and they raise him up, and he lives to tell the story. And he lives to come back to this place and encourage the churches. He came to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy. Once again, you know Timothy, don't you? This is the young man who two books of the Bible bear his name. This is Paul's young protege that he says, I have no one like him that genuinely cares for your well-being. It's that same Timothy, the son of a certain disciple named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. Now, some people believe that because it said the difference in his father being Greek, that his father did not believe. And in fact, we see that because Timothy was not circumcised. All right, so his father didn't look to the rituals of the Jewish customs or the laws of the Jews as important. It says he was well spoken by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Verse 3, Paul wanted to have him go on with him. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. So Paul does something that's kind of a paradox to us. It's kind of a quandary. Like, wait a second, Paul, you're holding a letter that says that the Gentiles don't need to be circumcised, and yet you find a half-Jew, half-Greek young man, and you circumcise him. Like, what's that all about, Paul? I believe that we're going to find out the reason why as we read on through the Scriptures. Drop with me down to Acts chapter 16, verse number 6 and 7. It says, Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Now again, we find a paradox in the Scriptures. Did God just forbid the Apostle Paul? To preach the gospel? I mean, that's what the word says. They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Now, this is not Asia as we know it today, China and Russia and that area over there. No, this is really talking about Asia, Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey as we understand it. It says they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. And after they had come to Mysia, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. What is going on, God? We try and preach the gospel here, and you stop us. We try and go over there, and you stop us. They end up at the border uh, on the, the edge of the water, and it says in Acts chapter 16, verse number 9, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Verse 10, now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go 
to Macedonia. Now notice the language actually does change here. And instead of they, all of a sudden it turns into we. So apparently Dr. Luke joined the team along the way somewhere. And so here he is and he says, we decided to head over because we concluded that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Acts chapter 16, they head over there and they're in the city of Philippi in verse number 13. It says, and on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made. And we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Now, a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshiped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. I see that in this set of scriptures that we've looked through, and I would encourage you sometime this week to read verse 1 all the way down through verse number 15 just to get the full understanding of what is really going on. But I see that there are some things that God is doing in the midst of these scriptures because remember this story is the story of us. And in this story of us, the title of today's specific message is Duty, Desires, and Directions. Duty, Desires, and Directions. How many of you would love for God to come down into your living room sometime this week and sit down with you and have you open up a, a, a little you know, notebook and that way you can write down everything that God says? Any, anybody say, I would love for God to do that for me, just tell me about the year ahead. Right? All of us would love that, wouldn't we? And yet, oftentimes, God doesn't lead us that way, does he? He doesn't lay out every portion of every day. You know, it'd be great to have a little day planner. Oh, God says for me to eat lunch now, and he wants me to have a salad. God, really? Okay, I guess I'll do it, right? And yet, many times we're kind of groping about for the will of God. We know the general will of God. We know the things that we should do as Christians. We're to pray, we're to read the Bible, we're to attend church, we're to give, we're to be generous, we're to be a witness, right? We're to be kind, we're to have the fruit of the Spirit coming out of our lives, And yet there are times where we're like, well, wait a second, God, do you want me to go to this college or do you want me to go to that college? God, who do you want me to marry? God, am I supposed to launch out into business or continue to be faithful here serving another man's business? Many times we take a look at the things of our lives and we say, God, it'd be great if you just came down and just told me, God, can you just write it on the wall with your finger? Can can you just do something, God? And yet I see in these scriptures that the Apostle Paul is going out and he's doing the will of God. But it wasn't so clear and it wasn't so plain. But it came through duty, through desires, until finally he got the direction of God. And I believe for all of us that in this year, if we will commit to do what God has called us to do, to do our duties as Christians, and then as we submit our desires to the Lord, that we will, like Paul and his companions, receive the directions from God. Anybody interested in getting direction from God for this year? I knew you would be. Let's talk about it today. First thing is this, is duty. Duty. Now, many people think of duty as what you want to do and desires, I'm sorry, duty as what you have to do and desires is what you want to do. It's almost like duty is, is just stuff, you know, like taking out the trash. You know, we just don't like to do it. And yet, I don't see these things as opposing, nor do I think of duty as only bad and desire as only good. In fact, that can be very dangerous for us. But there are things that we have to do that we may also want to do. What are you talking about, Pastor? Well, how about like this? How many of you like to eat? Oh, come on, tell the truth in church. Don't you lie to me right now. There are certain things that when you see your mouth starts salivating, it starts watering, maybe some of you are thinking of it right now, right? It's pizza night. It's Taco Tuesday. Christmas should just show us that we like to eat cookies and candies and Christmas hams. And how about this? Tamales. Come on, somebody say, amen, Pastor. Right? Now I got your attention, don't I? Why? Because it's something that we desire. But you know that it's your duty to feed your body? 
If you don't feed yourself, you're going to die, right? You can't last without food that long. Eventually, you will die if you do not eat. It is your duty to feed yourself and to keep yourself healthy, but it's also your desire to eat. In the same way, I believe that there are things like prayer. It's your duty to pray. God says, when you pray. God says, go into your prayer closet. God says, pray to your Father, right? But when you have a relationship with God, it's your desire to be with Him. It's your desire to talk to Him about life, to hear from Him. You know, Bible reading, that can be one of those things that starts out as a duty. But all of a sudden, you start reading the stories of the Bible, and you go, whoa, these people are crazy, right? I didn't know that was in the Bible. It's like a novella. It's like a, a soap opera in some places. What is going on? And all of a sudden, your desire is to get into the Word and to learn about life. Maybe you get into the Proverbs and you find all the wisdom there. Maybe you're, maybe you're the type of person that really likes Jesus, right? And you get into the Gospels and you say, I love hearing the story of Jesus. And as you go through that, all of a sudden it becomes your desire. See, duty and desire, I don't believe, are in opposition. I believe that they can be in union and communion with one another. See, Paul had a duty to perform. This purpose of this journey was to visit the churches to strengthen them and to deliver the letter from the church at Jerusalem so that the Gentiles wouldn't be pressured into keeping the law, right? He had a duty to go and to perform. And so he went and he performed that duty. And yet, I see that during Paul doing his duty, ends up finding this young man, Timothy, and he circumcises him. Why would Paul circumcised Timothy with a letter in his hand saying that the Gentiles don't need to be circumcised. Can I give you the reason why I think so? Here's the reason why. Duty. Because he was going to continue to take that letter to other places. And Paul, being a Jew, could himself say, hey, guys, listen, I respect the commandments of God. I respect the law of God. I was a Pharisee. I held to the strictest form of the law, but we don't need to put this burden on the Gentiles. And they would have looked at him, and they would have looked over his shoulder at this young man who is half Jew and half Greek, and they'd say, he's not circumcised. What about him? And so rather than have an argument, rather than get into foolish stupidity of man, and have them block out the things that are important, what does he do? He removes the issue. He gets rid of that little thing. He didn't want to get hung up on such a little thing, so what did he do? He cut it off and went on his way. He said, that's not important. In fact, the Bible says circumcision and uncircumcision isn't anything but following the commandments of God. And so here Paul says, that's not a big deal. It doesn't matter, Timothy, whether you are or whether you aren't. But in order to continue to do our duties and deliver this letter to the churches, and in order to make sure the Jews don't get hung up on the fact that you're half Greek and you're not circumcised, let's just remove the issue right now. And he takes care of the issue, and he moves on. In fact, he speaks of this in 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. If you want to turn there with me, past the book of Acts, past the book of Romans, you'll find 1 Corinthians. And in 1 Corinthians chapter number 9, I want to take a look at verse number 19 through verse number 22. Let's take a look at it together. In Act, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter number 9, verse number 19, starting out, says this, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. See, his duty was to be a missionary. He wanted to go out and win people to Jesus, and yet he says, in order to do that, I'm going to make myself a servant to everybody. Verse 20, And to the Jews I became as a Jew that I might win Jews to those who are under the law as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. So he says, when I was around the Jewish people, man, it was kosher meals. It was prayer. It was, you know, kind of that religious way. I have no problem with that. 
I'll do that. Why? So that I can win the Jews to the Lord. Look at verse 21. To those who are without the law as without the law, not being without law toward God, but under the law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without the law. In other words, when he sat down to eat with the Gentiles, which in itself was offensive to the Jews, he would eat whatever was presented to him. Didn't matter if it was kosher or not. But he says, I wasn't without a law towards Christ. In other words, I wasn't going to jump into sin with them if that's where they were headed. You understand? Because at that time, you could go to a temple prostitute and you could have some uh, time with her there at the temple. And Paul's going, if you're going to the temple, I'm not going. I still have a conscience and I still have to go before God for what I've done in my body. Therefore, he says, I became like those without the law, but not to the point of sin. In other words, you know, if you're witnessing in the bar and you're getting drunk, you're doing the wrong thing. That missionary dating and you're sleeping around, that's not working. That's not helping. That's hindering, right? And, And so he says... I became like those without the law, and yet I still had a conscience, and I still walked upright and holy before the Lord. Look at what it says in verse 22. And to the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. What's he saying? He's saying you didn't come to them as the great apostle Paul. Everybody bow down and listen to what I have to say. Sit at my feet. No, he came to them meek, a tent maker. He wasn't going to burden them. He would come to them with mild words. He wasn't this great preacher like Apollos. He wasn't like Peter, very bold and standing up and doing these. No, he would come to them and they said he was mild in his speech as though he was bold in his letters. Why? Because he became as weak so that he might win the weak. And then he ends it with this sentence, a crazy, amazing sentence. He says, I become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. See, the purpose was to do his duty as an apostle of Jesus Christ and go out and win as many people as he could. And so if there was an obstacle in the way, he was going to remove it. If he was with the Jews, he'd be like the Jews. If he was the Gentiles, he was like the Gentiles. If he was the weak, he presented himself as weak. Why? So that he could win them to Jesus. In the same way as you go out and do your duties, I believe that they're not going to get in the way of your walk with God. See, Paul knew that Timothy's circumcision wasn't for his salvation, but rather it was for his duty. He could minister to it because he understood the people that he was talking to. And he could more effectively, without the argument of his mixed heritage and questions that didn't matter, getting in the way. Heard the story of an airline pilot that was flying and he went past a a control tower. And as he flew past the tower, he said, can I get a time check? And the tower responded back and said, what airline are you? Pilot thought for a second. He said, what does that matter? And they said, oh, it matters a great deal. See, if you're TWA or Pan Am, then it's 1600. If you're Delta or United, then it's 4 o'clock. If you're Southwest, then the big hand is on the 12 and the little hand is on the 4. And if you're Skyway Airlines, then it's Thursday. (laughs) See, they had to know who they were talking to in order to give the gospel in the right way. In the same way, I believe that us, as we go out and do our duties as Christians, and as we encounter the people around us, that God is saying, know your audience, know who you're ministering to, know the time and the season that you're living in, and that will lead you to act accordingly. See, we can find direction through duty. Duty will lead us to attend church. It will lead us to put priority on times in prayer and times in the word. Duty will lead us to witness to those who are lost and refrain from activities that would push people away from the gospel rather than bring them to it. Is anybody listening today? Come on. Let's do our duty as Christians. God will lead us in that. And notice as Paul is doing his duty that now all of a sudden he finishes his circuit with the churches. He goes to Derby and Lystra. Those were the last churches he went to. And so now that he's done with that part of his assignment, he has a desire. 
And all of us need to understand that there will be things that we desire to do, things that we want, things that we dream of, a vision that we may have in our heart. It may be a God dream. It may be a God desire that he planted on the inside of us. And yet, it's almost kind of hard when we start to talk about desires because I know in our day and age, desire means something that's pleasing to us. And usually, it's not just pleasing to us, it's pleasing to our flesh. And if we're pleasing the flesh, then we're not pleasing to God. And so, let's just define what we're talking about. Let's look at desire that God wants us to have. Turn with me to Psalms 37. Now in the Old Testament, Psalm 37. We're going to read verse number 3 through verse number 5, but the whole psalm will bless you. Psalm 37. We're going to read verse number three down through verse number five. Take a look at it with me. It says in Psalm 37, starting in verse number three, trust in the Lord and do good. There's your duty. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. God is faithful. You can feed on his faithfulness. Verse four, delight yourself also in the Lord. This is not about pleasing our flesh. It's about having pleasure in God. And when we do that, look at what happens. And he shall give you the desires of your heart. Now, I got to stop right here because I know as a young Christian, right, I read that verse and I thought, that's a really cool verse. I like that, God. You're onto something here, right? So if I just delight myself in you, you'll give me the desires of my heart. Well, God, I desire a million dollars. God, I love you. God, I'm delighting myself in you. And no million dollars. So I said, oh, okay, I, I get it. I get it. You got to write the check. You got to send it through Amazon. It's Christmas time. Everything's a mess right now. You know, like, it'll come. And yet, in the 25 years that I've been serving the Lord, I have not yet received my check from heaven written out to Pastor Dan Roth for $1 million, signed by Jesus Christ and double signed by the Holy Spirit from God the Father. I haven't seen it yet. But, you know, over time, my desires have changed. Why? Because the Bible says as we behold him, as a man beholds his face in a mirror, that we are changed from the image of one man, from one glory to the image of God, another glory, from glory to glory. My desire is no longer for a million dollars. I don't care about a million dollars. I don't have anything that I don't have want of in my life. There's no lack. There's no need. You know, uh, there's, there's nothing that I'm desiring. Would a million dollars be helpful? Absolutely. I'd use it. You know what I'm saying? It'd be great to have a million dollars, but do I need it? No. What's my desire now? My desire is to see people saved. My desire is to see this church built. My desire is to see you succeed in life. My desire is that people get it, that they get a hold of it, that they get delivered, that they get freed, that they get the gospel out to the nations. That's my desire. That's my heart's cry. God, give us this inland empire. Give us this valley or else I'll die, God. Give it to me, Lord. Don't you know that's God's desire? The Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish. God doesn't want people to die and go to hell. And as I've gotten into the presence of God, my desires have become his desires. See, delight yourself in the Lord. Can I flip this on its head for a second? And he will give you the desires of your heart. Do you notice the emphasis? God will place in you the desires of your heart. Not just give you what you want, anything you want. No, God will place a God desire on the inside of you so that as you're delighting yourself in him, then those things that he's placing you, he can freely give to you. Look at the next verse, verse number five. How does it happen? Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also 
in him, and he shall bring it to pass. There were two young boys that were going to bed at grandma's house. They were spending the night. And as they knelt beside their bed, they started to say their prayers. And the first boy prayed, and he finished up his prayers, and so it was the second boy's turn to pray. And when he started to pray, he shouted with a really loud voice, Dear God, I'd really like a new bike. And God, while you're at it, I'd really love to have a new video game system. And God, and right there, his brother couldn't handle it anymore. He broke it. He says, hey, 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 hey. God's not deaf. Second boy said, yeah, but grandma is. <laughs> Let's look at the verse again. Let's look at the verse again. Verse number five. Commit your way to grandma, to the government. Hopefully they'll put out another stimulus check. Oh, to your boss at work. No, to, to, to the world system, to the United States of America, to the people around. No, commit your way to the Lord. God, here's my heart. Here's my heart's cry, God. Here's the desire. God, there's things on the inside that I want to see happen, God. But Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Come on, somebody, give the Lord a praise for that. See, if you have a desire that doesn't conflict with the word of God, then trust and delight should be in him. And if those are in him, then when the answer comes, it'll come through him. But what if the answer is no? See, a lot of times, people get a no from God, and they get disappointed, and they stop. Oh, well, God, I thought that was of you. I guess not. And they just sit there and they do nothing. But I don't see the Apostle Paul sitting there and doing nothing, do you? What was he doing? He was asking. He was seeking. He was knocking. He had a desire that was burning on the inside of him. I'm going to go down here. He goes southwest, right? He goes down and he starts to go and try and preach the gospel. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit forbids him to preach the gospel there. Woo! Forbids him? I would have just said, I'm going back to Jerusalem. I'm going to go back to Antioch where people like me, okay, Holy Spirit? See, people get a no from God, and they stop, and they say, oh, I guess I'll go home to my father's house. At least they like me there, God. Turn their back on God and walk away. But the apostle Paul doesn't do that. What does he do? He spins around, and he starts to head north. Well, let's go to Bithynia. I can't preach the gospel there. I'm going to preach the gospel here. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit did not permit them to preach the gospel in Bithynia. What is God doing? Why would God say no? Here's the reason why. Because there was a hedge that was coming in. There was direction that was coming to Paul's life. See, God's no's are as important as God's yeses. The Bible tells in the book of Revelation that Jesus is the one who opens and no man can close and who closes and no man can open. Did you know we're all looking for open doors, right? We love open doors. Ooh, I'm going to jump through this open door. And all of a sudden, God slams it shut in our face. And we say, I'm done with you, God. But see... The next verse, Jesus said, see, I have set before you an open door that no man can shut. Do you know when God closes a door, it's important for us to understand that God is in control, that he knows better than us. Think about it this way. What if I had three fields, right? And I had these three fields, and one of them was ready to harvest, and I just said, uh, hey, go ahead and go out and harvest the field. And so you went out there, and you found the first field, and you started to get ready to put the sickle in. And I said, uh-uh, uh, no, not that one. I forbid you to do that right now. Move on. So you go to the next field, right? 
get ready to reap. And I say, uh uh-uh, I don't permit you to do that one either. Why? Why would I let you do that? Because those two aren't ripe yet. They're not ready. But that third one on the end, go ahead on over there and harvest that field. See, did, God, did, did Paul have the wrong desire? No. He wanted to preach the gospel. He wanted to do what God had called him to do. He's an apostle. He's supposed to go and preach. He's supposed to go and minister. He's supposed to go and plant churches. But God says no in these areas. Why? Because there's a harvest field across the sea that he needed to get to at Philippi where he's going to meet up with a lady who's going to get saved and start a church that we now know as Philippians. See, God is saying it's not the wrong desire. It was just the wrong field and the wrong timing. Because, you know, Paul's desire to minister there in Asia Minor, what we know as modern-day Turkey, you know that desire was fulfilled? I calculate through what the Word of God has to say at least, at least, at least six years later. The Apostle Paul is able to go back. And there's a verse in Acts chapter number 19 that says, All of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Paul got to go to Bithynia. He got to go to the southwest and find Ephesus. And there he built a great church that Timothy eventually became the pastor of. God was able to give him the desires of his heart. It just took some time. See, in our instant download, in our, uh, you know, microwave, 30 seconds or left drive through generation, I believe that we are accustomed to getting what we want, the way that we want it, how we want it, in the time that we want it. And yet God is saying this is not about your time. This is not about your thing. This is not about your way. Listen, this is about me. It's about my plan. It's about my time and my way. And in the fullness of time, if it's a God desire, if it's a God dream, if God has given you an assignment, listen, when the door shuts and God says no, don't stop. You keep asking. You keep seeking. You keep knocking. And you keep going after that thing. Because the desire will move you. Duty will move you. But it won't always get you in the right direction. And that's where you need God's no's so that you can find God's yes. You need the closed door so that you can find the open door that God has placed. See, it wasn't until the Apostle Paul got to the edge of the ocean. There in the middle of the night, he had a vision of a man from Macedonia that said, come over and help us. That's where the harvest was to be found at that time. The message Bible says that the dream gave Paul his map. I love that. God laid it out in front of him. Here's what you're supposed to do. Which brings us to the last one, which is direction. The duty that you do for God and the desires that you have from God will eventually get you to the direction that God has for your life. God wants to lead you. God wants to show you the way. God wants to get you in position to do the will of God. See, it's the Spirit of God that moves us in the right direction. The Bible says he is our guide. He will use both natural and supernatural means to get us where he wants us. Our job is to simply trust and obey. Wait on him for his timing. I want to show you two scriptures and bring a couple truths out as we prepare to wrap this message up today. Two scriptures. First one is in James chapter 4, verse number 13. You can turn there with me. In the New Testament, once again, towards the end of your Bible, right after the book of Hebrews, you'll find James. And in James chapter number 4, I'm going to read verse number 13 through verse number 17. I'm going to read it to you in the New Living Translation, all right? You can read it in whatever translation you have. Okay, they're not that different. But James chapter 4, starting in verse number 13, says this. It says, look here, you who say today or tomorrow, we're going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We'll do business there and make a profit. Verse number 14, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while. 
and then it's gone. Some translations say it's like a vapor. Think about a hot pan that you take water on your fingertips and you just spray it on there, right? What happens? It sizzles. There's a little vapor that shows up for a second, and then it's gone. That's your life. That's how quick. It's here in a moment, and then it's gone. Verse 15, what you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, other translations say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Verse 16, otherwise you're boasting about your own plans, and all such boasting is evil. Verse 17, remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. That's our duty. Are you listening? When you know what you ought to do, your duty, and you don't do it, that's sin. What is sin by definition? It is missing the mark. You miss the mark when you don't do what you know you're supposed to do. When you're not reading your Bible every day, when you're not praying to God every day, when you're not having fellowship with the believers on a regular basis, when you're not loving, when you're not kind, right? When you're not in church, when you're not feeding yourself on the things of God, that's your duty, that's your Christian duty. When you're not witnessing and telling other people about Jesus, that is your duty. When you're not doing your duty, it's sin. Why? Because you missed the mark. What is the truth that I want to pull out of this? Simply this, do your duty and receive the direction from God. Do what you're supposed to do. Listen, 2020 got a lot of people off of their routines. Well, I got to break my routine. I got to get out of the routine. I don't like the routine. I want to get off the, the, the little hamster wheel, right? And yet God says, do what you're supposed to do. You know, we think of exercise routines, right, and health regimens. Those things are good. But when it comes to the spiritual things, they're not good. To pray every day, to get up every morning and to read the word. Those things are healthy, those things will make you strong. Why? Because if you do it consistently over a period of time, that duty will become a desire and it will be a delight and it will be something that delivers you and heals you and blesses you and connects you to God. So do your duty and receive direction from God. But the second scripture that I want to read to you is this. Proverbs chapter 16, verse number 9 in the Passion Translation. Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs chapter 16, verse number 9, the Passion Translation. I'll put it up on the overheads for you guys, those of you that are watching online in the lower thirds. Look at what it says. Within your heart, you can make plans for your future. There's your desires, right? You can do it. You can dream. You can get the God dream. Hey, I want to start a family. I want to buy a home. I want to start a business. I want to be a witness and testimony of Jesus. I want to get involved this year. I want to learn something new. I want to do something for God. Within your heart, you can make plans for your future. Look at the next part of the verse. But the Lord chooses the steps you take to get there. Here's the truth. Submit your desires to God's direction. Submit your desires to God's direction. God, here's what I want to do. God, here's the dreams and the plans in my heart. God, if it be your will, Lord, let's make this thing happen. If not, God, I'm okay. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up on you, God. You're right. You're true. You're God alone. There is no other. I'm not even going to put myself in that place, God. I'm submitted to your will, your way. Submit your desires to God's direction. Let's pray together. Everybody bow your heads. Close your eyes. No one get up. No one leave during this time. Church is not done. God is not done yet. Online, come on. Don't log off yet. God wants to speak to you. God wants to do something in your life right now. Let's pray together. Father, we're so grateful for your word. Lord, we thank you, God, that you've given us, your people, directions for life from your word. And God, it's our duty, but it's also our desire to do those things that are pleasing in your sight. So, Father, we ask, Lord, that you lead us 
into this new season that we're going into. 2021, God. We commit our way to you, Lord, and we know that you will establish our paths. Bring about the things that you desire in our lives. Lord, for that, we give you thanks and we give you praise. In this quiet moment, I'm going to ask you just to continue to pray. And would you just ask the Holy Spirit right now, God, what are you speaking to me? Some of you, God is speaking to you about your duty as a Christian. You know what to do. Maybe God's saying it's time to put it into practice. Could be talking to you about your Bible reading, your prayer time. Maybe he's telling you about being a witness. God speaking to you. It could be in this time that God's speaking to you about your desires. Giving you the desires of his heart. It's okay to dream. For some of you, you're getting a vision of the future. God is showing you things to come. Maybe for some of you, God's reminding you of something that you had from long ago. But like Joseph, you found yourself in a pit. When you got out of the pit, you went to the prison. You feel like you've been forgotten. And you kind of gave up. God is asking you to commit your way to him. Trust in him. Because there will come a day that you go from that prison to the palace, into your purpose that God laid out before your feet. What is God speaking to you? For some of you, God's given you direction. He's laying out a plan, action steps, things you need to get busy on. Write it down. I know if I don't write stuff down, I forget it. Go ahead. You can open your eyes. It's okay to pray with your eyes open. You know that? If, you, if God's speaking to you, write it down. Write down that scripture. Write down those steps. Write down the goal. Write down the time frame. Write down the people that need to be involved. Write it down. The Bible says write the vision and make it plain. And he who reads it may run. You might have crawled last year. God's saying this year. It's time to run. Write it down. Make it plain. Maybe you're here with a faithful friend, your spouse, your children. You want to share that with them. Maybe you're watching online in a community of people that you trust. If you want to just share that right now, hey, God's speaking this to me. Go ahead and share that right now. Maybe you want to whisper it in your spouse's ear or your children that are here with you, your friend. This is what God is saying to me. Why would you do that? It, it brings agreement. Yeah, let's go. It's awesome. I'll be praying for you. It also brings accountability. I'm going to ask you about that in a week. 
I'm going to ask you about that next month. I'll, we'll see what happens this year, but I'm going to be watching, and I'm going to be cheering you on. Father, we thank you for those things that you've spoken to us, God. And God, the things that you've committed to our cares, those God dreams and those duties, those desires, Lord God, we submit them to your direction, God. We commit our way to you, Lord, knowing that you will lay out smooth steps before our feet. Every mountain will be brought low. Every valley will be brought up, making the way of the Lord. We thank you, God. We give you praise for what's ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.